Part two, section four of the Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Among the detestable villains that in any period of the world have disgraced the name of man, it is impossible to find a greater than Moses, if this account be true. Here is an order to butcher the boys, to massacre the mothers, and debauch the daughters. Let any mother put herself in the situation of those mothers, one child murdered, another destined to violation, and herself in the hands of an executioner. Let any daughter put herself in the situation of those daughters, destined as a prey to the murderers of a mother and a brother, and what will be their feelings? It is in vain that we attempt to impose upon nature, for nature will have her course, and the religion that tortures all her social ties is a false religion. After this detestable order follows an account of the plunder taken, and the manner of dividing it, and here it is that the profaneness of priestly hypocrisy increases the catalogue of crimes verse thirty seven and the lord's tribute of the sheep was six hundred and threescore and fifteen and the beehives was thirty and six thousand of which the lord's tribute was threescore and twelve and the asses were thirty thousand of which the lord's tribute was threescore and one and the persons were thirty thousand of which the lord's tribute was thirty and two in short the matters combined in this chapter as well as in many other parts of the bible are too horrid for humanity to read or for decency to hear for it appears from the thirty-fifth verse of this chapter that the number of women children consigned to debauchery by the order of moses was thirty-two thousand people in general know not what wickedness there is in this pretended word of god brought up in habits of superstition they take it for granted that the bible is true and that it is good they permit themselves not to doubt of it and they carry the ideas they form of the benevolence of the almighty to the book which they have been taught to believe was written by his authority good heavens it is quite another thing it is a book of lies wickedness and blasphemy for what can be greater blasphemy than to ascribe the wickedness of man to the orders of the almighty but to return to my subject that of showing that moses is not the author of the books ascribed to him and that the bible is spurious the two instances i have already given would be sufficient without any additional evidence to invalidate the authenticity of any book that pretended to be four or five hundred years more ancient than the matters it speaks of or refers to as facts for in the case of pursuing them unto dan and of the kings that reigned over the children of israel not even the flimsy pretense of prophecy can be pleaded 
the expressions are in the preter tense and it would be downright idiotism to say that a man could prophesy in the preter tense but there are many other passages scattered throughout those books that unite in the same point of evidence it is said in exodus another of the books ascribed to moses chapter sixteen verse thirty four and the children of israel did eat manna until they came to a land inhabited they did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of canaan whether the children of israel are manna or not or what manna was or whether it was anything more than a kind of fungus or small mushroom or other vegetable substance common to that part of the country makes nothing to my argument all that i mean to show is that it is not moses that could write this account because the account extends itself beyond the life and time of moses moses according to the bible but it is such a book of lies and contradictions there is no knowing which part to believe or whether any dies in the wilderness and never came upon the borders of the land of canaan and consequently it could not be he that said what the children of israel did or what they ate when they came there this account of eating manna which they tell us was written by moses extends itself to the time of joshua the successor of moses as appears by the account given in the book of joshua after the children of israel had passed the river jordan and came unto the borders of the land of canaan joshua chapter five verse twelve and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land neither had the children of israel manna any more but they did eat of the fruit of the land of canaan that year but a more remarkable instance than this occurs in deuteronomy which while it shows that moses could not be the writer of that book shows also the fabulous notions that prevailed at that time about giants in the third chapter of deuteronomy among the conquests said to be made by moses is an account of the taking of og king of bashan verse eleven for only og king of bashan remained of the race of giants behold his bedstead was a bedstead of iron is it not in rabath of the children of ammon nine cubits was the length thereof and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man a cubit is one foot ninety-eight hundred eighty-eight one-thousandths inches the length therefore of the bed was sixteen feet four inches and the breadth seven feet four inches thus much for this giant's bed now for the historical part which though the evidence is not so direct and positive as in the former cases is nevertheless very presumable and corroborating evidence and is better than the best evidence on the contrary side the writer by way of proving the existence of this giant refers to his bed as an ancient relic and says 
is it not in rabbah or rabbah of the children of ammon meaning that it is for such is frequently the bible method of affirming a thing but it could not be moses that said this because moses could know nothing of rabbah nor of what was in it rabbah was not a city belonging to this giant king nor was it one of the cities that moses took the knowledge therefore that this bed was at rabbah and of the particulars of its dimensions must be referred to the time when rabbah was taken and this was not till four hundred years after the death of moses for which we see second samuel chapter twelve verse twenty six and joab david's general fought against rabbah of the children of ammon and took the royal city as i am not undertaking to point out all the contradictions in time place and circumstance that abound in the books ascribed to moses and which prove to a demonstration that those books could not be written by moses nor in the time of moses i proceed to the book of joshua and to show that joshua is not the author of that book and that it is anonymous and without authority the evidence i shall produce is contained in the book itself i will not go out of the bible for proof against the supposed authenticity of the bible false testimony is always good against itself joshua according to the first chapter of joshua was the immediate successor of moses he was moreover a military man which moses was not and he continued as chief of the people of israel twenty-five years that is from the time that moses died which according to the bible chronology was fourteen hundred fifty-one years before christ until fourteen hundred twenty-six years before christ when according to the same chronology joshua died if therefore we find in this book said to have been written by joshua reference to facts done after the death of joshua it is evidence that joshua could not be the author and also that the book could not have been written till after the time of the latest fact which it records as to the character of the book it is horrid it is a military history of rapine and murder as savage and brutal as those recorded of his predecessor in villainy and hypocrisy moses and the blasphemy consists as in the former books in ascribing those deeds to the orders of the almighty in the first place the book of joshua as is the case in the preceding books is written in the third person it is the historian of joshua that speaks for it would have been absurd and vainglorious that joshua should say of himself as is said of him in the last verse of the sixth chapter that his fame was noised throughout all the country i now come more immediately to the proof in the twenty-fourth chapter verse thirty-one it is said that israel served the lord all the days of joshua 
and all the days of the elders that overlived joshua now in the name of common sense can it be joshua that relates what people had done after he was dead this account must not only have been written by some historian that lived after joshua but that lived also after the elders that outlived joshua there are several passages of a general meaning with respect to time scattered throughout the book of joshua that carries the time in which the book was written to a distance from the time of joshua but without marking by exclusion any particular time as in the passage above quoted in that passage the time that intervened between the death of joshua and the death of the elders is excluded descriptively and absolutely and the evidence substantiates that the book could not have been written till after the death of the last but though the passages to which i allude and which i am going to quote do not designate any particular time by exclusion they imply a time far more distant from the days of joshua than is contained between the death of joshua and the death of the elders such is the passage chapter ten verse fourteen where after giving an account that the sun stood still upon gibeon and the moon in the valley of agelon at the command of joshua a tale only fit to amuse children the passage says and there was no day like that before it nor after it that the lord hearkened to the voice of a man this tale of the sun standing still upon mount gibeon and the moon in the valley of agelon is one of those fables that detects itself such a circumstance could not have happened without being known all over the world one half would have wondered why the sun did not rise and the other why it did not set and the tradition of it would be universal whereas there is not a nation in the world that knows anything about it but why must the moon stand still what occasion could there be for moonlight in the daytime and that too whilst the sun shined as a poetical figure the whole is well enough it is akin to that in the song of deborah and baruch the stars in their courses fought against sisera but it is inferior to the figurative declaration of mohammed to the persons who came to expostulate with him on his goings-on wert thou said he to come to me with the sun in thy right hand and the moon in thy left it should not alter my career for joshua to have exceeded mohammed he should have put the sun and moon one in each pocket and carried them as gi fo carried his dark lanthorn and taken them out to shine as he might happen to want them End of part two section four